Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Happy Wednesday and welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. The results are in for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Also, a key free agent signing. We'll get to all of it as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Toward the end zone. It is Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Oh, Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Toss to White. And good afternoon. Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show, as usual, at Craig Mish at Joe Pizzapia 17. Sean Guastamacchia, as always, producing the show. And uh, we start right off the top with the hot topic around sports. And, uh, hey, look at this. Baseball for a couple of months has really taken hold of the sports world. Interesting developments yesterday as, unsurprisingly, Derek Jeter gets into the Hall of Fame with Every vote but one, and I think a little bit more surprisingly, is uh, Larry Walker gets into the Hall of Fame, uh, who earlier in the day tweeted out that he was not getting into the Hall of Fame. So uh, an interesting day yesterday, Joe, for sure. And uh, congratulations, of course, to both of those guys who I've got a chance to know through the years. Both uh, Larry Walker and Derek Jeter have good relationships with both. So happy to see them both in. Yeah, look, first of all, let's start with Larry Walker. Larry Walker was a great ball player. I don't know if he had a great career. He had some great seasons, but he was a great ball player. I don't have a problem with Larry Walker. He was off my ballot yesterday. I had 10 guys to put in ahead of him, but I don't have a problem with Larry Walker being in the Hall of Fame. Also, kudos for wearing the SpongeBob shirt, uh, knowing that you're getting the Hall of Fame call or potentially, and you're going to be on TV rocking the SpongeBob shirt. That was um, shocking. And he's one of the great characters, one of the lovable guys. Uh, a fantastic defender, a uh, guy who could steal bases, great arm in right field, uh, tremendous power, met numerous batting titles. You know, my problem with Larry Walker is the incomplete seasons. And look, let's let's also remember he also played in cores when cores was really cores, you know, before the humidor, before anything else to kind of level it out just a slight tad. So he played in cores at the peak of cores. And I, I just I don't know. Man. I got a hard time with all of that. But. Regardless, he's in the Hall of Fame now, and I have no problem with that. He's a wonderful baseball player. I just question if he had a Hall of Fame career. Derek Jeter, I mean, come on. Foregone conclusion, we all know that. And I'm irritated that he wasn't unanimous. Yes, I'm one of these people because I think it's stupid. Who's the one person, the one person that doesn't vote for Derek Jeter? And I heard Ken Rosenthal on MLB Network yesterday give the excuse, Craig, that, well, for some people, they look at the ballot and they say, well, I'm going to vote for all these guys to make sure I keep them on the ballot. That is complete egomania. If you're going to do that because you want to keep certain guys on the ballot, leave somebody off that you know is going to be in the 50s and 60s, like Bonds, like Clemens, that you know is going to probably be tracking and still be on the ballot next year. Don't not vote for the best guy on the ballot. Don't not vote for the guy who's got, I don't know, was he sixth all time in hits or something like that? He's got eight 200 hit seasons, a million championships, a million all-star games, a million accolades. There was, to me, Craig, zero excuse to not vote for Ken Griffey Jr., to not vote for Mariano Rivera, not vote for Derek Jeter. And I'm just citing the most recent ones that were so close. I, I'm, I'm irritated that like somebody intentionally left him off a ballot, 
either to make a point or for some kind of cockamamie logic that makes absolutely no sense at all. Yeah, and I think that's the opinion that most people have today. It's um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious that whoever did it did it uh, to. I, I mean, that's a, a nice story there. Uh, you know, I didn't see that yesterday on MLB Network, but I don't. I, I mean, it could be the case. I can't rule anything out, but it just seems to me that somebody sent in a blank ballot. Is my guess. Um, you know, that's happened in the past. Not wanting to put anybody in the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, realistically, I, I don't know what else there is to say. Like, I mean, the guy should have been 100%. Derek doesn't care, clearly. Um, you know, it doesn't matter to him and, and won't matter to him. And, you know, I guess uh, five, ten years from now, if somebody is close again to getting 100%, then we'll look back and we'll say, uh, you know, wow, that guy should have, you know, gotten 100%. Remember when Derek Jeter didn't get it? And I think that's probably the only time that we'll bring this up after, outside of when we find out who that guy is. Because, truthfully of all the players that are even still playing in the game, it's going to be easy to poke holes at just about all of them. Like, I mean, the only one, I mean, I, I mean, you think about ballots in the next 10 years, Joe, and, and we can you know, certainly get into this, but uh, there's going to be a problem with everybody. Like there is no, I don't think there's, there's a clear cut guy that you would say that, Oh, like you could see somebody not voting for this guy. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't well, I, look, exactly. I, I think the unanimous hall of famers are a very, or, or the ones that close to it are a very unique group. Tom Seaver, right? Johnny Bench had been very close for a while. Um, trying to think of some of the other ones that were in the high 90s. But like the Griffey, the Jeter, you know, these guys, Mariano, it's just a no-brainer. I mean, if they are not a Hall of Famer, I don't know what is. And, uh, and then you're right. It's clouded a little bit because of this era that we're now having to look at. But next year's ballot, the guys who are coming on it, the Tim Hudsons of the world are not Hall of Famers. He used the best name of that bunch coming on. I was pissed off that Paul Canerco was one and done on the ballot. I thought that was a travesty. When you look at his stats compared to a lot of other guys uh, and guys that are still on the ballot getting votes. And I'm looking at I'm like, really? That's just absurd. That's people who just didn't do their homework about uh, the Hall of Fame and numbers and where people really stack up. And I, I don't know, Craig. I mean, uh, next year you have a potential. Again, it's a potential of Schilling, Bonds and Clemens all going into the Hall of Fame because I don't think you want to put Kurt Schilling in as a standalone if you're the writers, because that's not the greatest thing either. Imagine what that scene is going to be or not be at Cooperstown that year. That's going to be a fascinating thing to see as a fan. I think they should just do it all at once. Just put them all in, take the hit, and then just move on because it seems like that's where it's trending anyway. What are your thoughts on the potential of that threesome yeah. being There's the no next chance. group? No chance of that happening. None. It will be. I mean, there's a chance that Schilling gets in next year, but Bonds and Clemens will not. And then um, in their 10th year, I think that there's a pretty high probability that both will get in because that because the writers will feel at that point, hey, we've made these guys wait 10 years. That's the punishment. And that's it. So yeah, that's the way I think it'll go down. I, I don't think there's any chance next year of them getting in. None. Um, in terms of 100 percent, I mean, is Ichiro as close to 100 percent as it should get? I mean, somebody in my opinion, holes. I mean, did you S somebody could poke holes at him? Somebody <laughs> poke. What's the hole? He didn't hit enough home runs. He could hit a home run anytime he wants. Uh, yeah, but I mean, look again. There, there'll probably be five people that they'll vote for him. You know? like, also not necessarily the most media friendly guy, and that's fine. Who cares? It's not an media award. It's the Hall of Fame. But that's he, the bottom line. Is I just don't think. I know you're. You're there. right. But Mike Trout. So Mike either. Trout will be in fifty years, whatever that is. But that's it. Like I don't think that they're. I mean, I know who the Hall of Famers are. Albert Pujols is a Hall of Famer. Miguel no, Cabrera Lander is a Hall of Famer. Miguel yeah, they, Cabrera, Pujols, Miguel those Cabrera, are, again, right. but, but they're not, not going to be 100. They're not right. But I'm saying is, how do you look at a ballot as a responsible Hall of Fame person, and just because it's their first time on the ballot, say, nope, 
that guy's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, not this happen. year. No, no. He is a Hall of Famer this year. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Miguel Cabrera is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'll make the argument Justin Verlander is a, is probably now at this point a first ballot Hall of Famer because of the second bump in his career. And we can we can continue on with this. But, man, like it just irks me because it's people who don't take this seriously or put themselves and their own opinions over facts. And I hate that. It is the absolute worst. Yeah, it happens every year, and and guys leave it off to make themselves the story. It's happened in the past. I think Murray Chass is one in the past. Yeah, that has well, there's always these the old guys with the grudges or the guys who really don't watch national baseball and just kind of follow the own, you know, the beat writer team. It's gotten significantly better, and as more of our friends like Steve Gardner start to get votes, it's going to continue to be better process. I think all the votes should be public because if you got nothing to hide, what are you hiding from? Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. But no, these things don't happen, and that's just part of it. But hey, it gives us a good talking point for the show to start. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into the opening drive, some football news, some baseball news. We'll also ta- uh, talk about Ozuna heading over to the Atlanta Fal- uh, Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Braves. Gonna play defensive listening- back. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's good. He'll be a tight end. All right, you're listening to Fantasy Sports today. Craig and Joe are off and running here on this Wednesday. We'll be right back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss Joe Pizzapia here with you. Happy Wednesday to you. Every day, noon to 2 Eastern, Dr. Roto takes over at that point with his full-time fantasy show. Let's get started with the opening drive right through the Super Bowl. We'll start off with first down. Looks like the Jacksonville Jaguars have hired a new offensive coordinator. If Doug Marone is sticking around, they got to change around that offense and fix that. And hey, look, the Tennessee Titans found a way toward the end of the year to run the ball a lot, make it work, work with the quarterback. Maybe that's the direction that the Jaguars will head. And certainly if they would just copy what Tennessee did, maybe they'll win a lot of games. And the defense struggle too, so that's a point too. But Jay Gruden, Joe, uh, you know, probably a very sought-after offensive coordinator ends up going to Jacksonville. And my guess is that makes them immediately better. The question is, how much better? Is that make them one win better, two wins better? I don't know that it's going to make them a Super Bowl contender, but I'm going to guess that it'll be a better situation for Jacksonville next year. Yeah, well, also, it's Doug Marone's replacements now in hoofs. I mean, let's not pretend like that's not the uh, if they don't get off to a good start that they're not going to hand the reins over to Jay Gruden because I think they will. You know, if they they look at six games into the season and they're two and four, there's a really good chance of that happening. So I think it's a really good hire in all sense because you have somebody that has head coaching experience. If you decide to go another route, if things don't work out, you have somebody that's a good offensive mind. You're asking him to just look at the offense. You have a young, impressionable quarterback like Gardner Minshew, who I think has some talent. I think he's got a lot. He's got a lot of chutzpah, as they would say, right? Did I give it the right pronunciation? Did. did I do okay? Chutzpah. He's, chutzpah. Got, a, he's got a lot of chutzpah. 
That's how you sound right before we start our show every day, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Again, 17 degrees here today. 40 here. 40 here. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But look, I think that uh, Gruden is a a good selection here. I think it helps Minshew. You've given him a quarterback, a running back, and a wide receiver in Shark where you have something to work with. Now go get him some other pieces, get him some line pieces, get him some other depth there. And I think Jay Gruden can potentially turn this around. I think the Jaguars need to really fix the defense. I know that sounds hilarious to everybody, but the defense is an issue, and it's been an issue for the last year and a half. Second down, a sad one here to start off with this morning because it looks like the end is here for Dustin Pedroia. Once upon a time, people forget just how good Dustin Pedroia was, the American League MVP. In fantasy baseball, Dustin Pedroia was like a second-round pick for a number of years because second base was so thin right after that steroid era. We really needed a guy with 20 home runs. Now, look, he may have gotten drafted higher based on his name, and he did steal some bases in the past, too. But this is the worst possible scenario, I think, for uh, fans of the game and fans of Pedroia. You were really rooting for him to come back. His career has been derailed by lower half injuries over the last couple of years. And unfortunately, it was reported yesterday that he has a setback. I don't think that any of us thought that he was going to be fantasy relevant, but the relevance in baseball is huge. He'll get some Hall of Fame votes, Joe. I mean, you talk about somebody in the conversation. I I would guess, since we're immersed in Hall of Fame talk, that that Pedroia will make it to the second ballot, you know, and the third or the second try or the third try, getting probably 5%, 10% for a number of years. I think he'll stay on there for a few years. But beyond that, a very uh, melancholy feeling for me with Pedroia. Great player, a key figure in their World Series championships. Yes, excellent player. Uh, everything you'd want out of a ball player. And I know Yankee fans might not like to hear this, but a guy you want to root for. A guy who's 5'9", seventy, who, you know, just made the most of his frame, hit for more power than you probably would have guessed. You know, you know but he's not a Hall of Famer. His numbers don't come close to Hall of Fame worthy. Um, no, again, if Paul Canerco and Jim Edmonds are one and done on a ballot, a guy like Dustin Pedroia should not even be, you know, in, in the sphere. But because he was the leader of a team and because he was, you know, a Boston Red Sox and a media darling in that sense, and everybody, you know, loved him as the character of Dustin Pedroia, he probably will stay on longer. And that's a shame because I know Edmonds was cantankerous and I know, you know, Paul Canerco, people go, ah, he was a first base in a DH. Well, I don't care. He's better than Harold Baines, a lot of other Tony Perez, and a lot of other guys in the hall. But uh, Pedroia, it is a sad end. Last two years, he's played nine games in the last two years. That's sad. And look, he's... Uh, it's 12 years because you don't count the last two. So he had 12 year major league career for his frame for 160 something games a year. I, I got to tell you, like it's an astounding. It's a wonderful career. He's got a lot to show for it. He's got a couple World Series rings, and I think he should be very proud. He's a four time all star and an MVP. I mean, people forget that he won the MVP back in 2008. I mean, uh, that little guy in his third year was an MVP. So it's a sad ending to a very good career. But I think a guy that's going to be part of that part of that Boston fixture in that storied Boston franchise for the rest of his life and after. And it also kind of goes back to what we talked about yesterday with Chavis, too, is one of the breakouts. This is a huge door opener for him to really solidify himself as the everyday second baseman now. Third down, the moment that Joe has been waiting for. Um, Today is a huge day in South Florida, and it's only becoming crazier. I mean, to think that I have lived here now, I'm 46. So I have lived here since in South Florida since I've been uh, about six or seven years old. I, I got to check that. But uh, close to 40 years in Florida, uh, a lot of it in South Florida, some of it in uh, Gainesville, Florida, the University of Florida, which is really you know, closer to Georgia. And uh, and then three years in Sarasota, Florida, on the West Coast. But, Joe, in my history of living here, a couple of things have changed. Uh, the first is, is that, uh, you know, we have these one time a year really what we would call big cold one day snaps that's our whole winter like today is basically our winter i know it's like a joke i'm not not saying it's not and then the second thing that's happened is that the iguana population 
has overrun uh, all of the state of Florida, but mostly South Florida, too, because of the weather. And uh, today it is raining iguanas from the trees. And, and these iguanas are, by the way, still alive. And uh, and you're seeing the, the pictures posted on social media from all of these iguanas just laying on the ground, Joe. They, uh, they're having a really hard time with the weather. So as predicted, this is going to be going on for a number, a number of years. This actually helps control the iguana population in South Florida because a lot of them fall and then, of course, uh, fall to their demise. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess my question is, how does the iguana population survive? If it hits this, I mean, what's the percentage of them that die? And it's a very who, good question, Joe. Who are the ones yeah. that don't? Yeah, it's I need more question. scientific. That, that was my big question yeah. before they, we started. I, yeah, I looked into this a little bit yesterday. Of course they, you they, they project that uh, it's only about 15 to 20 percent of the population uh, perish. And most of them are of the uh, younger kind, of ones that ah. are a year or less because they can't, they can't handle the... Uh, the cold, the bigger it was the ones, little bitty iguanas, because their yeah, their yeah, bodies aren't big enough to absorb the cold. But, okay. but still, potentially a fifteen to twenty percent, you know, keeps it under control until next year. Like if we didn't have this happen next year, it would be a huge problem. But it keeps happening. Um, you know, also in Florida, little known fact here too, is that uh, if you have iguanas that are bothering you or in your house or whatever, that you can legally dispose of iguanas too. They, they've allowed that that to keep the population under control as well. I bet. What do you, you mean? You mean legally dispose of the dead ones that freeze, or oh, legally the, the, the alive ones? Shoot well, one? that's like, correct. Or I can get my sword out because I live in Florida. There you, there you have and it. I could just have at it. You can rent you for a day. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I can have like a whole iguana extermination business. Do you? Do you call? Like, have you had an iguana in your home? We have not one in. No, you get the lizards. You the get house. the geckos. I know that. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. But we, we have them right outside the house, but not in not actually inside the house because they're big, Joe. You know, like I've I think I sent you one video about you know, them running around a baseball field. I know. I think you said it, but you never sent it to me. I didn't ever. No, no. I'm promised all these iguana pictures and iguana videos. I mean, you got to shame. We can't eat these here. guys. We could easily have great meals. I mean, <laughs> readily available, but no one. If you think somebody in Florida is not eating iguana, I think you're wrong. <laughs> I think Florida man next week will determine that answer for sure. <laughs> All right. Our, finally, what a huge brawl at the end of the game last night, Joe, between Kansas and Kansas State. You very rarely see this in college basketball. Occasionally you see it in the NBA. But at the end of the game yesterday, these two teams got into it. There were people in street clothes involved. There was someone swinging a chair, it looked like, uh, at the end of this. And you, know, you don't ever want to go WWE in a college basketball game. But, man, huge bad blood in that game last night. And uh, and a lot of it captured, of course, on video because people are in the stands right behind the uh, the bench in, in this situation. Well, yeah, you, you could see a lot more of the college football fighting. You know, those teams, you know, it's a physical game. Everyone gets, you know, all physical and the next thing you know, or, or even before the game, you know, those pregame rituals of who's dancing on my field and this and that and all that nonsense. But, yeah, this is um, <clears throat> excuse me, some intense stuff here. I'm trying to watch for the live reaction because I always feel like that's it. So basically it was the hard foul. The guy goes down, gets knocked in, and then the bench is empty. And yeah, you know, this is it's a pretty good one. I always hate the fake fighting. It's the posturing fights that always piss me off, which is baseball to a T. All the pointing at this guy, and I'm going to point at you, and I'm going to yell at you, but nobody actually, you know, in the 80s it wasn't like that. You hit a guy, he just ran out and pummeled you, or vice versa, where Nolan Ryan, you know, hit you and you came out and Nolan Ryan pummeled you again after he hit you with the ball. So, um, yeah, I mean... Actually, getting into it much better than the fake getting into it, but unfortunately, in college sports, it's you know, it's it's not something you see, especially in the basketball vein. You know, you don't see a lot of fighting in some of the other lesser college sports too. I saw what's that, you know, what's that game where you you hit the ball into the little trampoline thing? Have you seen this? You know what I'm talking about? Where you hit the little round trampoline, you hit yeah, it back and we forth. We have that. We have that. What's it called? I saw. I don't it on know. ESPN I don't honestly. Yeah, that's, that's a tough spot. I don't know. But they we have. actually had coverage of whatever the national collegiate champions of that game on ESPN. That's how that's how desperate they are for coverage right now. Something. So there you go. All right, there you have it, and that is the opening drive here for the 22nd of January, 2020. 
Coming up next, we'll get back into the Hall of Fame discussion. It's a hot topic. We'll go through the results, and we'll continue on on Fantasy Sports Day on this Wednesday right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS line combinations and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you're doing it wrong. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, that's where millionaires are made. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you until noon. And yesterday, it was uh, a great day for a couple of guys that get into the Hall of Fame. Of course, that is Larry Walker and Derek Jeter. But for a lot of others, it's basically another time to wait for another year. As Joe mentioned earlier in the show, Kurt Schilling, uh, has to be a distinct possibility for 2021. No question about that. He got 70% of the vote. Uh, Omar Vizquel and Scott Rowland are inching forward to getting uh, into the Hall of Fame. My guess is both will have a shot before it's all said and done at, uh, in their 10th year. Uh, I would also guess that both Billy Wagner and, uh, and Gary Sheffield do at 31%. Sheffield, 30%. Todd Helton continues to climb only in his second year at 29%. So, Eventually, Vizquel, Roland, Wagner, Sheffield, and Helton, I think, have a really good shot of getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Clemens and Bonds, if you're waiting for that one, sure. Clemens with 61% of the vote and Bonds with 241% of the vote. And I know a lot of people group them together, so there's a chance, I think, in two years that they get in as well. But certainly what's interesting to me about this is that uh, I, with you, kind of feel, and look, Scott Roland, great player, no question. Fiscal, great player, no question. Uh, Sheffield, too. But uh, these guys were great players at times. I don't know that any of these guys are really like bona fide Hall of Famers, but it is better in the interest of baseball, and it's better in the interest of Cooperstown to have an induction. And so, therefore, I think that we will see Schilling next year. I think that we'll see Bonds and Clemens the following year. And dare I say, I think Omar Vizquel will be in that uh, year after that. And, I, and then from there, we'll have to see. But I think that that's where we're headed. Well, the Omar Vizquel one is, is tricky because it's kind of like goes back to that Ozzie Smith thing. He's a great defensive shortstop. One of the great defensive shortstops of all time. As a hitter, he was mediocre. Better hitter than Ozzie Smith, but mediocre, I, I think, when you, when you look all around it. And I don't understand why everyone's like, okay, shortstop defense matters, but defense at other positions does not. You play the field for nine innings. You know, I'm going to keep harping on this. You know, there's two things to take out of yesterday. This is one of them that if Omar Vizquel is inching closer and closer, then how do you keep guys like Hernandez out of the Hall of Fame, who is clearly a much better hitter and equally as good of a defensive dominant player just because he weighed first base? How do you keep Scott Rowland out of the Hall of Fame 
who was an infinitely better player than Omar Vizquel with the bat and an outstanding defensive player. Like we have to kind of understand that defense matters. And I think it sucks because I think everybody fell in love with the home run total and they forgot that baseball is a larger game. And I don't have a problem with Omar Vizquel being the hall of fame, but then you've also got to make sure that you make accommodations for Scott Rowland and some other players. And Larry Walker opens up Pandora's box of a couple things. The first one is now, what do you do with Todd Helton? Craig is Todd Helton a hall of famer because you can't compare the numbers of Todd Helton to the numbers of Larry Walker. Granted, Helton played his entire career in cores, but let's be frank. When Larry Walker played most of his career there or the big chunk that that padded his stats. So is Todd Helton now a Hall of Famer because Larry Walker got in? Yep. Mm-hmm. Todd Helton's good again. Are you asking me if I think he should or if he will? Both. Do you think he should be? And do you I think don't he think will? he is, but I think he will. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think, I think that if the scenario right. was different with some of these names and there were surefire guys to put in, then we wouldn't even be having this discussion. But we're about to hit some lean years in the Hall of Fame, some very, very uh, lean years. And I think you know who deserves more consideration is Bobby Abreu, too. Yeah, I think that that um, how many players have 288 home runs and 400 stolen bases in their career and yeah. a 291 career batting average, a 395 career OBP. That's a staggering number. You know, everyone kind of forgets about Bobby Abreu. But let me just let me just rattle off some of these for you right here. Uh, 2579, 28 steals, 31, 110, 36 steals, 2085, 31 stolen bases, 2101, 22 stolen bases, 3105, 40, 24, 102, 31, 15, 107, 30. And then he had another couple runs where he had 20, 122, and then 15, 103, and 30. That is, that's quite a run for a player. Maybe not the greatest home run hitter, but you want to talk about all around hitting talent. I mean, geez, Bobby Abreu, I think, deserves a lot more attention than he's getting right now. I would say he's a better hitter than Larry Walker or all-around player, perhaps. Yeah, I, wouldn't defensively. Ag- I would not agree with that. But no, um, but 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 again, uh, it's hard. It's hard to go from five to 100. At least that's what they say. Uh, you know, a lot of this isn't even really I take it back. A lot of it is about the player. But a lot of it is also, again, who's on the ballot against you. It's like a sure. competition and how many years you've been in. Like, that's that's a huge uh, part of this, and I would have to say, like, look, I, I don't think Abreu will ever get in the Hall of Fame. I don't, again, 5% to 100 is, I don't think that's ever happened, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, certainly maybe getting, to get the end 40% is a possibility. But you but, know what's happening? You said it a couple segments ago. You said we're coming up on a couple lean years. Yeah, but by the time years, he, all of a sudden yeah. we start to look at guys differently, and you start to look at the purple I-11s of the world differently, and you go, oh, you know what, because you keep staring at their names, and when there's nobody else to look at, you start going, look at Bobby Abreu again, and you look at where he ends up. I mean, comparably, like I said, how many players have 300 home runs and 400 stolen base? I mean, that is a very elite group. You and I both know that. Most yeah, but they don't do value that. stolen bases anymore like they used to. That's the key. It's, there's no value. To I it. know, but he's not a guy who stole 400 bases and hit 100 home runs. You know, I mean, and Andrew Jones is not a Hall of Famer. Andrew Jones is a great defensive center fielder who then – you know, had a couple peak years and we all know why. And then Jeff Kent, I think, is a Hall of Famer, especially if you compare him to the others in position, but he's a guy nobody likes. So he keeps hovering around that 25% mark. And I think that's kind of ludicrous too. Yeah, he's the only one that I think should be in that mm-hmm. won't get in. I don't think any of these guys beyond Helton will get in. The only chance Manny Ramirez has is in his 10th year if they want to, again, 
that's what I'm hearing is that a lot of the writers view this as though the steroid guys will get a 10 year punishment basically, and then get put in on the 10th time. And if that, and, and what Manny should be hoping is obviously that Clemens and bond should get in on the 10th time. And then that would give him a chance. I still don't think he's going to get in. Ken, obviously not at this point with only 27% in seventh. You're right about Andrew Jones. Sammy Sosa is never getting in. Andy Pettit's never getting in. Bobby Abreu is never getting in. And those lean years that I'm talking about, though, uh, Joe, is, is only the next couple here. Eventually, again, mm-hmm. the names that we mentioned, um, you know, Ichiro, and then you know you're going to have a retirement soon of Miguel Cabrera. You're going to have one for Albert Pujols, and there's going to be a lot of other CC Sabathia. There's going to be players that are going to be ahead of these guys. And so, mm-hmm. for example, if uh, Sheffield and Wagner and Roland were in their seventh try, they would have a really good shot of moving up because there's not a lot of guys the next couple of years. But I think that by the time they roll around to getting close to 60%, at that point, they may get uh, they may get bounced. But uh, it's, look, it's, it's always an interesting conversation, mm-hmm. and especially because these are guys that I have covered. I've gone from a scenario where they were ones that I watched for a long time to now a lot of guys that I've covered, which makes it even more interesting for me. Because uh, I'm oh, able to have two different I imagine, too. Uh, you know? No, I mean, if if, if not, not a bad. I, I would not let anything hold my personal opinion back on on a player. Well, like, that's good. You're better than a lot of other people who I would have that opportunity. I'm trying. To you know, you said something yesterday experience. about the steroid guys and you know guys getting popped. You know, when it was a rule and the guys not. I can't even remember because it's such a it's such a blur. Did Jason Giambi ever technically get suspended for steroids? No, but he apologized right. and said he did it. He yeah. did. So if he never got actually, you know, I know he apologized for it or whatever it is. You know, how does that put him in a different universe than Gary Sheffield? Because statistically speaking, Jason Giambi certainly is a guy to worthy of Hall of Fame consideration. He was one and done on the ballot. So yeah, I think this is Sheffield really- had a career before that. That's the key. OK. All right. That's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. He did. Giambi, I think, was start to finish. I think it's funny that guys like Brad Penny and J.J. Putz got oh, a vote, gosh. but Josh Beckett didn't get one. And and I'm not saying Josh Who Beckett voted for J.J. Putz. 0.3%. Go look. One vote. Unbelievable. Somebody voted for J.J. Putz, Raul Abanez, Brad Penny, Adam Dunn got a vote. I can even understand the Adam Dunn vote. Cliff Lee got two votes. Eric Chavez got two. You know, Chavez was a nice player for a couple of years, yeah, but unfortunately, good. you know, yeah. Alfonso Soriano, I understand. Canerco is the one that pisses me off. Like, I don't understand how Canerco got just 10. And I think it was just because there's a lot of guys isn't that similar. I mean, if Todd Helton got 29% of the vote, you got 116 votes. Paul Canerco only got 10. You go look at their numbers side by side and take out the cores effect a little bit or marginalize it. I don't know, man. I just don't think that's fair. And I really, and I'm, I'm going to stay on this too. Bobby Abreu. I think deserves more attention as time goes on. I don't, I think you're right. He's not going to get in. Uh, Andy Pettit's another interesting one too, because how do you, how do you value Andy Pettit? No, oh, it's a, it's an interesting one. And um, they just don't seem to value wins in baseball. Like they used to 10 years ago, he would have had a better shot, but wins don't mean anything anymore. So it's all his other stats basically. That's, and all his uh, other connection with Clemens. Oh, too. of course. Yeah. You know, that's, if he never had that, do you think this would be double where it is? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I, I, I think um, the other thing, too, and again, uh, Canerco, in terms of your argument, is fair. I mean, Canerco was a really good player for a very long uh, time. But what's what's going to you know hurt him a little bit, and it's not a huge part of his career, but you know, 10 to 15 
percent, maybe maybe a little bit higher, was designated hitter, and that's right. But know, Edgar Martinez is a Hall of Famer. Harold Baines is a Hall of Famer. David well, Ortiz is going to be a Hall I mean, of Famer. You can't use Harold Baines as a, as a point of no, discussion. but I can use Paul, Edgar. Paul Canerco can get in the same way Baines did, without a doubt. And maybe right. that's and Edgar has nowhere near the power accumulation that Canerco has over his, his period of time. He's yeah. a better pure hitter, like in terms of that batting average. No, no I, I, don't, I, don't I don't love Edgar. I don't think there's a comparison between those two. But it, but in terms of Baines, you're right. But again, that Baines did not get voted in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, he's in. And you know what? I actually think Simmons deserves. I th- when you go back and look at Ted Simmons' career in the era it was in, oh, it's a pretty a staggering also, career. Also a guy that nobody wanted to deal with. That's That was what yeah. held it. And I think too. tomorrow we should talk about some of those guys that aren't that we would put in. That might be a fun thing to okay. continue on here. Okay, we can do that. We'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. We'll be back with some updated odds that Westgate has put out. I can't believe this early in the year, all of their props for baseball. We'll look at the home run title after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. All of the odds are out. Yeah, this is a little hard to follow on this graph here. So, trying so to hard about it, Joe. No, it's just because it just it just goes on for <laughs> yeah, it's a million. That's it. Just take yeah. a look at. It. All right, welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you. Usually around February. And I want to say around the second week of February, the uh, Westgate in Las Vegas, the Superbook, they put out a lot of the baseball win totals and they put out the odds to win the home run title. But as we've seen with this boom in gambling, there's just no reason to wait anymore with any of this stuff. It is crazy. Like me get trying to get ahead of some of these win totals is impossible. They're already out. And the same thing with all the baseball player props for the 2020 season. And I wouldn't even look at these until February. They don't even come out until February. But they're out, and it's early. And so over the next week or so, we'll start to dive into some of these. And the uh, what we're going to go through today is the 2020 home run title in, uh, in Major League Baseball. And certainly the landscape of the home run title has changed pretty significantly as uh, we have players such as Juan Soto, who is a 10-to-1 to win the home run title. And if I'm not mistaken... I think that he is as much as a favorite of anybody else involved in the in the odds. He's ten to one. Pete Alonso is twelve to one. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. at fourteen to one. Christian Yelich at sixteen to one. Aaron Judge, I should say, is tied with him twelve to one. Mike Trout or ten to one. Mike Trout uh, ten to one. John Carlos Stanton sixteen to one. Joey Gallo, who everybody puts money on every year, and he, <laughs> he comes close but doesn't win it at eighteen to one. And uh, and then the other interesting one, based on the year that he had last year, and he's not the favorite, and there are guys that are ahead of him, but Jorge Soler is also 30 to 1. Uh, when you look at this list, Joe, there certainly are a lot of possibilities to to win this thing. And in general, 
through the years, it it has been players that have been toward the favorite. But then you have a guy like Pete Alonso last year that came out of nowhere. Jordan Alvarez came out of nowhere. And so uh, would you dive into like 100 to 1 in this spot or would you... You know, maybe let's give a favorite and then a long shot as a possibility for this. Sure. Well, look, my favorite is Cody Bellinger at 16 to one. I think those are fantastic odds. Cody Bellinger last year was sixth in fly ball percentage, 48.4%. You're talking about a guy who walks as much as he strikes out, a guy with fantastic pitch recognition skills, fantastic plate discipline, hit 47 bombs last year. So in terms of ability to hit in those high 40 numbers that I feel really good about, uh, Cody Bellinger is that guy. A dark horse for me is Reese Hoskins, who actually had a higher fly ball percentage, plays in a very home run friendly ballpark in Philadelphia and really had a down year in his you know, second full season. And that happens sometimes. But he's got a 52.7 fly ball percentage. And looking at Reese Hoskins, that's another guy to me that if he ended up, you know, hitting 46 home runs or something like that, that would not shock me. He's kind of a more of the dark horse there. But in terms of favorites, I mean, it's very hard not to get excited about Cody Bellinger at 16 to one, because I think that's actually kind of kind of crazy odds considering how close he was last year with 47 and how consistent of a home run threat he's been since he's been in the major league. So um, I guess Eugenio Suarez at 49, if nobody thinks, you know, he had 49 last that's year, great ball percentage. That's yeah. another one too, that I think is right in that where you can make money off that. And it's not a bad get. Um, you know, I don't love this, but this was a guy that we were talking about last night on a podcast was Renato Nunez, who has a ton of power and a power that you can look at it and it, you look at the splits. He actually hit the same amount of home runs on the road. So it's not just Camden Yards power. A thousand to one. That's kind of a fun one to throw 10 bucks on. <laughs> that's not impossible because people are going to pitch to him because, you know, they don't have to worry about, you know, moving around stuff like, you know, nobody's afraid of him necessarily. But at the same time, he could be like that Chris Davis type guy that kind of sneaks up on you and ends up hitting 40 bombs. Yeah, I, I think that this is always fun. And again, this it's like bankroll wise. This is not something that I would put. I don't even think $500 on like the most I would do is like a hundred bucks on something like this because it's so random and there's so much variance involved. Uh, where, where do you stand on Stan this year? Where, where, where is your, where is your opinion on him? I think that he is arguably still remains one of the most polarizing players. Won the MVP of course in 2017 and then had all the stuff with the Marlins going down to the end and then forced his way to the Yankees and, I mean, I, I guess that there are some people who are happy with that. There are some people who think that it was he's a complete bust. I don't know. Like, what? where do you where do you stand on that? Well, I don't think he's a complete bust because he's also people. People have short term memory loss, because if you go back and remember when Stanton got there, it was an immediate change for this organization. And it gave a ton of lineup protection to young hitters like Aaron Judge and allowed him to have the rookie season he had. And eventually guys like Torres come through and some of these other young players they've had come through the last couple of years and, and Sanchez is another one. So my thing is what's the ADP? What's the price? He's going in that same range right now in NFBC as Chris Bryant, as Aloy Jimenez, as Eugenio Suarez, Manny Machado. And I think a lot of those guys I like better just because you're talking about hitters that I feel like you're going to be on the field more. So if I was getting Stanton, say, in a closer range, maybe in the 70s, which is I know impossible, 
but I think I like him more than I do in the fifties. That's, that's the problem right now. He is number 53 overall, even if he was in the Mm sixties in that Victor Robles conversation or Matt Olson conversation, that's, that's much better. Okay. Now we're talking about hitters where there's risk in, in different spots here. Olson got some bad splits. Stanton's a terrific power hitter, but he's never on the field. And I think you have to keep in mind also what format you're playing in in head to head. And I do a lot more head to head than you do. He's a dangerous player because when he's out for a significant period, again, if that happens, that crushes you. If he misses 50 games, maybe you still get 30 home runs out of him in season-long Roto, and you can handle that. I think in season-long situations, you're more apt to take the risk on Stanton. Uh, where do you stand with Mr. Stanton this year in terms of value? Do you think he's going too high in NFBC, or is that about right for the upside? Yeah, I mean, he's he's too difficult to project, I think. Um which, which is interesting to me because as an analyst, you, you're doing disrespect to anyone in the industry by saying you think he's going to be great or you think he's going to be bad because you, no one really knows he's been that injured uh, over the last couple of years. I, I think the better question is, do you think that Stanton is more likely to play 150 games or 50 games this year? I think that's <laughs> – I mean, no, I'm serious. I no, that, I mean, I, I, you know. that is more of – where you should be on. <laughs> like I think you're not, what's my, I think what you do is I think you have to bid for something in the middle. And that's and that's that's I don't think why you it's can, so difficult. I don't think you can count on 150 games. How can you? I don't think you can either. You know, he's going right now in the black book where we have him. Jorge Soler, Giancarlo Stan, Max Kepler. That's the grouping he's in. Sounds right. Now sounds who would right. you take if you had those three on the board? Let's just say standard uh, five by five roto. Would you take boy, the big year off Solaire? I take would you Kepler. Take Kepler? I, think. I like Kepler a lot. Bats at the top of that lineup, right? I think I, think yeah. I would take I think I would take Kepler. Yeah. There, there's some deep stats on Kepler that are struggling uh, a little bit. Um, you know, in terms of Babip, in terms of, you know, some career number, you know, that last year could be a bit of an outlier. But you're right. He does it at the top of that order. It's a great order. I know in the second hour, we're going to talk about some of the best lineups in baseball and the ones you want to have fantasy shares of because it does make a huge difference. But Stanton is right in that group for me. And I think I agree with you. I think Solaire and Kepler are kind of guys that you can make those arguments over Stanton. Stanton is like right in between the two of them. But man, it is it is difficult. It really is because you know what the upside is in terms of power. And I know some people just can't quit him. But I think he's also one of those players that if he's burned you in the past, you are much less apt to draft him. Yeah, I think um, I'll probably not take the chance, but I can understand the draw. The only difference is for me is that when Stanton, so we are three years, 2018, 2019, yeah, kind of three years removed from that season where he hit 60 Mm -hmm. or close to it. I, I think that the draw was, wow, I have a chance of getting a guy to have 60 home runs. But with the way that since 2017, the ball has jumped, I, don't, I mean, what are you really chasing there? You can find a lot of guys with 35 or 40, and you're, you're, right. sim- you're simply just taking a chance that he hits an extra 15. And I don't think that there's any reason Here's another to take reason. that risk. Uh, almost 50 picks later at 96 overall, Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is going to have power. Nelson Cruz is going to have a probably a, a little batting different average. in a roto league where you know you got to put him in a yeah utility spot. That's a, yeah, but so difference. what? You got to put somebody at utility. Yeah, I'd rather there's, be great there's utility. a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference of not yeah. having a position player and clogging the U. There definitely is. Okay, all right. Here you go. How about Eddie Rosario at ninety? What? What? How many did he hit last year? Thirty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. It, no, I there's a lot of like. How about Max Muncie? Like, there's a there's yeah, a lot of and there's Muncy a lot of flexibility. That's to me the the risk in the fifties of Stanton is crazy. There's if no you get risk. Him in the seventy fives. Yeah, at that point, right? I mean, you're you're 
but again, if the guy hits 15 more home runs or 10 more home runs than a lot of the players that we mentioned, in the end, are you patting yourself on the back or saying, oh, thank goodness that came through? Like, what's the why? Like, why even go down that road? It, again, uh, big difference. 2017, he's 30 home runs ahead of number two, you know? Like, he's so far ahead of everybody else. He's winning a category for you in a road league now. He's not doing anything. All he's doing is, is like, you're you're lucky, basically, that it works out. So um, let me throw some high names out there, uh, ones that are not projected to win the home run uh, title, but as a possibility. Uh, Joe, Jose Ramirez of the Indians. A lot of people feel like a bounce back's coming for him. He's 100 to 1. Manny Machado is 100 to 1. We have uh, Goldschmidt, maybe on a bounce back, 100 to 1. Uh People always think Schwarber every year is going to win the home run title. He does hit a lot. I'll give him credit. He does hit a lot, but I don't know that he plays enough. He sometimes misses games against nah. lefties. A hundred to one there. Yeah, that's the problem. He doesn't. You know, Jordan Alvarez is. You know, I know a another. lot of people who want to go that route. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's hard to argue. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's another one where, you know, geez, some of these guys that like Bellinger sixteen to one, Alvarez eighteen to one. You know, these, these are guys where that that's a pretty good payout. If you that's the range. Yeah, bucks. that's the range where I think you, you'd want to go. But again, yeah. what was Pete Alonzo going into? The year? Right. But I mean, how many times does a guy come out of nowhere and lead the almost league never. in home runs? Yeah, right. Almost, almost never is correct, yeah. especially his rookie season. So I think that's asking a lot. But last year, we saw two guys like that. And that's, one of them was Alvarez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? Solaire. Solaire. Well, but no, but I mean, but that's a rookie season. I'm talking about two rookies who As came out and had right. enormous yeah. home run rates. Mark rate. McGuire, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark McGuire at 49 is a rookie. People, And now that's my other argument always about mcguire is like he was always great mark mcguire had devastating back injuries that he could not move he couldn't get on the field and that's what led him down the path yeah. it led and i'm not absolving him i'm just saying there's a reason but solaire at 60 to 1 i mean 30 to 1 right now excuse me is actually um that's not terrible either because talk about that's the wager of all like buying in on a player after a great year that would be fascinating to see especially in that ballpark which is not a very home run friendly ballpark we will uh, have more discussion on some baseball uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. We've got the best of the first hour next. And then coming up in hour number two, uh, Marcelo Zuna signs with the Braves. We haven't even gotten to that. So plenty more to come. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today with Craig and Joe. Don't forget, like and subscribe to the show if you're listening on iTunes or Android. Also, uh, over on Stitcher, you can listen as well. And we continue our conversation. Coming up next, it is the best of the first hour. Hour number two, straight ahead. More fantasy baseball discussion, more odds. Everything that you would expect this time of the year as FST continues. Craig and Joe, back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. 
You know it, who deserves more consideration is Bobby Abreu, too. How many players have 288 home runs and 400 stolen bases in their career and yeah. a 291 career batting average, a 395 career OBP? That's a staggering number. You know, everyone kind of forgets about Bobby Abreu. So let me just rattle off some of these for you right here. 2579, 28 steals. 31 110, 36 steals, 20 85, 31 stolen bases, 20 101, 22 stolen bases, 30 105, 40, 24 102, 31, 15 107, 30. And then he had another couple runs where he had 20 122 and then 15 103 and 30. That's quite a run for a player. Maybe not the greatest home run hitter, but you want to talk about all around hitting talent? Geez, Bobby Abreu, I think, deserves a lot more attention than he's getting right now. I would say he's a better hitter than Larry Walker or all around player, perhaps. Yeah, I, wouldn't I would not agree with that. But no, um, it's hard to go from five to 100. At least that's what they say. Uh, you know, a lot of this isn't even really, but I take it back. A lot of it is about the player. But a lot of it is also, again, who's on the ballot against you. It's like sure. a competition and how many years you've been in. Like, that's that's a huge uh, part of this. And I would have to say, like, look, I, I don't think Abreu will ever get in the Hall of Fame. I don't, again, 5% to 100 is, I don't think that's ever happened, I'm pretty sure. But, you know, certainly maybe getting get the end 40% is a possibility. But you but, know what's happening? You said it a couple segments ago. You said we're coming up on a couple lean years. Yeah. But by the lean time years, he, all of a sudden yeah. we start to look at guys differently and you start to look at the purple I-11s of the world differently and you go, oh, you know what? Because you keep staring at their names and when there's nobody else to look at, you start going, look at Bobby Abreu again and you look at where he ends up. I mean, comparably, like I said, how many players have 300 home runs and 400 stolen base? I mean, that is a very elite group. You and I both know that. Most yeah, but they don't do value that. stolen bases anymore like they used to. That's the key.